1: Hello and welcome back to another edition of the HoltCast. Cole Petum here as always and of course we're here to talk all things Aston Villa Football Club with a 2-1 win over Tottenham Hotspur on Saturday. You're all hearing this hopefully bright and early on the monday so hopefully everyone has a fantastic start to their week after a fantastic villa related weekend the first time that villa have done the double i think since 95 96 that's what simon said before so we're gonna go with that and if we're wrong then please do let us know at 7500 toll on twitter cheeky little plug there but nonetheless we're just gonna run through a another a villa victory this season get all happy go lucky get a little bit more optimistic and uh just love that man, Unai Emery, a little bit more. But uh, let's go over to the guys next. Simon, how's it going for you?
2: Very well, thank you. Um, yeah, six home wins in a row now, only one goals conceded. So it's, uh, yeah, it's all going quite swimmingly at the moment for us. Um, it's it's kind of it's, it's it's unusual to to be so confident going into home games. So yeah, no, very happy this weekend.
1: Yeah, I think, I think there's no other reason, um, to be happy than Villa. Um, that maybe sounds depressing, but, uh, regardless, they've made everyone very happy. And actually looking at the table, there's only two games left this season. Villa are confirmed to have more wins this season than losses. And that will be at least by two. So we could technically finish the season with, let's see here. I think 15 losses, but we'd have 17 wins. So there is success there, at least in my eyes, baby steps, but. We do have a young man here, and that young man is Seb. And interesting fact, we were asking Seb this before because it made us feel extremely old, and why not? The last time that Villa beat Spurs at Villa Park was, of course, January 1st, 2008, which Simon knew the goal scorers on both sides. That was the last podcast. Go check that out because it still creeps me out that he knows that. And Seb was only a very elderly four years of age, which just puts a lot into perspective um yeah i was i think 14 <laughs> uh simon was what 21 20 yeah okay as he's giving me the hand gestures behind the scene but anyways to a very young seb seb how's it going for you that's the longest intro ever
0: that's the best intro ever i don't think an intro has flattered me more um i apologize to all the listeners if i have just made you feel old but um yeah, at least we all got to, got to see Villa do the double over Spurs together. Um, it, it was just an amazing day at Villa Park. One of those that sticks in the memory for a long, long time. I think a lot of the fans knew what was at stake. I want to give a big shout out to Project B6 because I think they worked wonders before the game. Just the little details and the effort that they go into to really try and improve our atmosphere, and it worked you could tell it worked the players the fans got right behind the players from minute one we were all covered in the ribbons in the whole and i i think i still have some now stuck behind my ear but um yeah it was it was just one of those days at villa park where you feel proud that you were there and on eurovision final day three points go to
1: aston villa and villa park so who could be happier? absolutely it's just an all-around good weekend villa related like i've said before it, it's nice to see us go into this game with some momentum off of the two losses in a row. And we all kind of know the um, moody, gloomy catastrophe that is Tottenham Hotspur this season. They're there for the taking. And it's nice to see Villa actually putting, uh, I guess, the proverbial, um, I guess, foot on the neck and just not letting go by any means necessary. And that's what Villa did, of course, to give a little bit more kind of uh, information on the match per se. Of course, Jacob Ramsey scored... In the eighth minute by the um, ever-so-loving milkman that is Leon Bailey. If you've seen the video on Twitter, um, Leon, all I can say if you're listening to this, keep drinking that milk. Maybe it'll keep you injury-free, and that's what we can hope for going into the future. And, of course, Dougie Louise scoring just a wonderful free kick. Fraser Forrester did get a hand to it. But nonetheless, it was just too much for the Spurs keeper, and that made it 2-0. Harry Kane scored in the 90th minute via penalty. A little frustrating. We'll discuss that in a little bit, so maybe with our opinions. But nonetheless, 2-1 winners. We are now sitting, well, I guess still on 8th after Brighton's win on Sunday. They still have two games in hand, um, on us and Spurs, both on 57. Spurs, of course, sitting in seventh, two, um, goals ahead on goal differential. Brighton have a very healthy goal differential and it's kind of all up, uh, up to them really at this point. If they want six or not, they still have the likes of Newcastle and City to play. So we'll wait and see that the dream for six isn't over, but, uh, Seb, you'd have to say the, uh, the dream for Europa conf- Conference League at least is, uh, alive and well. You'd have to say, isn't it?
0: Yeah. I mean, walking, walking out of the ground yesterday, I was, I was discussing with my, with my old man all the different permutations of what could possibly happen towards now and the end of the season. And then Brighton winning today put a slight dampener on that. But it, look, the seven places I, I think Brighton will probably get top six, but then again, I've always said that I'd rather have points on the board than games in hand. There is so much that could go our way, and there is so much that could go against us. It feels as though from now until what is it? May something is the last game of the season. May the twenty ninth. It's
1: only like two
0: weeks. Ever, it's not that long. <laughs> is it's is it two weeks. <laughs> right. Well, in those two weeks, it feels like anything could happen, and I feel I feel like either way, we're we're on a roller coaster. So we've just got to. Try and enjoy it from now until that. I think I remember being on last time with Simon and saying, if we finish eighth, it's not the end. Of- I'm not going to be upset if the full time whistle goes against Brighton and we finish eighth. I I I won't be upset. I'll be you know I'll think about what could have been. But you've got to recognise the distances that we've made since Unai Amy's come to the club and the facilities that he's built to push on next season and the opportunities that we'll have going
1: forward. Simon, I'll throw this one your way. It's not really so much Spurs or, well, basically yesterday's game-related or Saturday's, of course, when everyone's listening to this. But if Villa at least gets 60 points, and say if that even gets us Europa Conference League, in my mind, and let me know if I'm wrong and what your thought on this is, but... Yeah, to me, yeah, it's top three for uh, manager of the season when it comes to Unai Emery. He has to be within that that discussion for me. But where do you sit with that?
2: Yeah, I, I mean, I think we kind of sort of touched on this a little bit on the last podcast, didn't we? About uh, should Emery be a candidate for, for manager of the season? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, especially if if you know we we, we finish in the European spot, I, I don't see how he he couldn't be there because you just and as you know, we've, we've said time and time again on this. And I think, I think it's so easy to forget just how terrible a position we were in when he took over. Like, it, not not just in terms of our position in the league table and like the points tally we had, but the way we were playing. Like, I mean, we we looked dreadful. Like, it looked like the players had had no real plan. People, you know, certain players like John McGinn was being written off. Which I mean, I think at the time we all kind of said like, let's not. We all recognised at the time he wasn't playing well, but I think no, I, I do think anyone on this podcast was certainly writing him off. But but he was there. Were question marks on like Oni Watkins, uh, Tara Mings has always had for some reason uh, doubts and, and question marks on him. So he, the the turnaround not just in our position uh, in the table, but the form of the players and the way we're playing, like how how he's got a team that. I basically spent a year without being coached. Like, let's, let's be honest. There was no coaching. And if there was no, no one could see what it was meant to be, what style we were meant to be playing to so have implemented the style of play that he has in, in such a short amount of time. It's, it's absolutely unbelievable. I mean, look at, look at the way we're playing football now in some of these games. That game yesterday, we controlled that game from the first minute to the last. Like, I, Tottenham slightly improved, I think, in the second half, but they there was still there was no stage in that game where I ever felt worried and felt that that, that the game was getting away from us and you know the and sort of alluding to I think the point that Seb made earlier, this, even if we ended up finishing eight, it's the steps that we've made this season, the the way we've closed the gap on a number of teams who, you know, sort of October, and November time you'd have looked at Vino and Tottenham and you'd have thought we're a million miles away from that club and, and being able to to compete with them in the league. And, you know, look, look what we're doing now. We're level on points for them with two games to go. So, yeah, in long answer to your question, yes, every should be a candidate for manager of the season.
1: Well, I, I'm glad you agree. And I, I think it has to be obvious, of course. And we discussed this last week. So if you haven't listened um, to that podcast, go back and listen to that. I think it was in the second half that we did Um, but I mean, you, you do sit back and look at it and there are other candidates as well, but I mean the turnaround and, um, I I almost sit back and wonder kind of, Humorously, who did less coaching? Um, Stephen Bruce or Stephen Bruce, <laughs> Steve Bruce's villa or Stephen Gerrard's villa? You have to kind of sit back and wonder. And I only really say that because, of course, you'll, you heard all the kind of, uh, rumors that came around from ex players under Steve Bruce that said basically training was a kind of a kickabout game and things like that. Uh, whether that was true or not, we'll, we'll have to maybe wait and see in a few years when more things come out. But, uh, regardless of that, Seb, I- I'll come your way and kind of get this back. Um, into the focus of the match. And let's talk about Leon Bailey here for one moment, because I mean, <laughs> many, uh, individuals of this podcast, um, have probably slagged him off or written him off a numerous amount of times, including myself, probably almost weekly, just because of how frustrating, um, wingers can be typically, but how frustrating he can be in particular. Um, but to set up that goal, how he played, in my opinion, in the first half, I mean, what did you make of his performance yesterday? Frust- frustrating.
0: Um, yeah. I, 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 oh, I had, <laughs> yeah, frustrating. Um, he he struggled to beat a man. He was easily dispossessed off the ball. I, I I never really feel confident that he's gonna get past the defender whenever he has the ball. I never feel. We were alluded to this lightning quickly on Bailey when he first signed, and I'd probably say that only Everton at home on his debut is the only time that we've been witness of his of his electric pace. It doesn't seem as though he's he's utilized it, but then again i I am probably being harsh he He's a good option to have at the club, whether that be off the bench or whether that be starting in Emory's system for now i There are definitely worse options. To have, uh, you know, clubs would be very lucky to have him in the Premier League, and he I, he still has a lot of learning to do. He's he's still young in in the aspect of a footballer's career. So, look, this isn't the this isn't the finished project. And I think one of the reasons Europe would be so good for us is just to take the pressure off him having to perform every week. We'd be able to rotate. We'd be able to have a bigger squad, and we'd be able to give everyone equal minutes so there'd be not such a pressure on him to deliver those goals and assists and he'd be able to find his feet perhaps better i think it would suit him more at villa park but look it's it's an interesting time period coming up whether he's still here next season will be will be interesting to see but i look although although i've just said what i've said about him i do like him you know he can he has that option where he can excite you and if he turns it on then you know, it is very difficult stopping a and it's just not often enough that we see that. But Simon's banged on about it. It must be a thousand times on this podcast. that so You find us a consistent winger who consistently delivers those performances. Then you're looking at a 60, 70, 80 million pound winger. So I, I don't want to raise my expectations too much. He, I like Leon Bailey, and I'm, I'm going to end it there.
1: He reminds me of, and everyone's... um played of course um well most people you'd say probably played organized football at some point in their lives but especially as a kid he reminds me of that one kid that um of course Leon Bailey does pass the ball because he did set up Jacob Ramsey but just that kid that tries to go past like six people and like literally gets past five of them and then loses at the last hurdle or something like that that's just prototypical of what I feel Leon Bailey is but I mean Simon, to flip it to you, and, and I know last week you did discuss Jacob Ramsey and kind of the abuse you saw he was getting online. I mean, what were your thoughts on the goal? And I mean, I guess for his confidence and to even reflect back now on some of those comments, it, it must be just kind of brilliant to get some of that, uh, I guess, the proverbial monkey off the back, wouldn't it be? Yeah,
2: I I, I, thought, I thought the goal was a really, really well-worked goal. You know, he, um, I, think Ramsey, I think Ramsey initially won the ball back and – so, I think, got, got out to Moreno, came into Watkins, a lovely little layoff from him, and then Ramsey gave it out to Bailey, but continued the run into the box. So, the, the amount of the amount of players that we get into the box when we've got the ball in wide positions is is, is definitely um, a massive feature of, of the improvement under Emery, because that, that just wasn't happening before. But now, when we attack, we attack with numbers. Bailey, I thought, did really well. I actually thought he had a reasonably decent game yesterday, to be fair. Um, The the one thing I I, I do think with Bailey is I'm not 100% sure he actually is left footed because every time he goes onto his right foot, we get something out of it. So maybe he needs to to rethink that. But but on Ramsey, yeah, he he took the goal really, really well. I thought it was a really good finish. Um, Just, yeah, on the the... The subjects of some the, the stick he was getting, the uh the Twitter account that I mentioned in that last podcast, I, I did see another tweet from him uh, last night saying, "Yeah, Ramsey Scorby was still awful today." So I think I think he's just got a problem. With some people Ramsey just double be-
1: down when they shouldn't. Yeah, Jesus.
2: but um, but I mean, I, I I don't I don't think Ramsey was at his best yesterday. If i am be brutally honest, I, I thought there were there were times. Especially in the second half, where he, he, I think he could have got into the game a little bit more, but what he does give you, he, he always gives great effort and determination, which should be absolutely standard with footballers. But unfortunately, it's just not. So you always get that with him. But he is an outlet when you're, if if you're under even like just just a little bit of pressure in the game, you just need a bit of a timeout. You can get the ball to Ramsey. He can run with it with real pace and power and, and he gets you up the pitch. And he, he gets goals and that's five goals and five assists this season. And, you know, he's I think he's he spent some time out injured as well at, at times during this season. So it's it's a reasonably decent return. And he's kind of, you know, he's playing in an unfamiliar position and an unfamiliar way than I'm sure he's ever played before. You know, he's he's whole career really had been up until Emery's come in has been in a four three three, so in so in, in the midfield three, kind of like box to box, whereas under Emery, he's more played not wide left, you don't really play with, with wingers, he's more, it's more the the fourth century midfielders. But he's on the left of that four and so he's he's kind of he's having to do, you know, switch on a bit more defensively to sort of track opposition full backs. And then still getting involved in the game, like in, in the middle of the pitch, and and coming in off the left, supporting the attackers. So, I you no, know, I, I thought Ramsey. I thought he played well yesterday. I've, I've seen him play better. Which you know, the fact he's got a goal, and you can still say we can still get better. And I think he will only improve immeasurably under Emery as as uh, as the years go on. And you know, hopefully, we've got Emery for, for a good number of years in charge. But um, he's Ramsay. He's just one of many, many players that, that that have just improved massively over the last few months. Um, yeah, it was it, was, it was nice to see him get a goal yesterday because I think uh, I'm trying to think, of that. He, got, he got the goal against Newcastle, didn't he? And then obviously the last sort of three games, three four games since then, or however many it's been, hasn't been great. So yeah, it's good to get back on on the goal trail and uh,
1: hopefully that he can that'll be the start of a nice sort of run to the end of the season absolutely and I mean I I think the one thing there too like just kind of the late run and what that really does for his confidence in terms of how he positioned himself and hopefully can grab at least one more before the end of the season but we'll have to wait and see but Seb I want to come to you and we've talked about this man I don't know how many millions of times over the seasons but and I've no well actually I know for a fact we've kind of posed the question of it has this been his best game as a Villa player but John McGinn yesterday, best player on the pitch by a country mile. And it's not just because he has that big arse that basically puts everyone else on the floor and they just can't handle it. But just, I mean, again, we have to pose it. Was that his best game we've potentially ever seen? Because albeit he didn't score or get an assist, I mean, aside from that, the most complete performance, I would say, this season at least. But let me know your thoughts.
0: I was just about to say in... In answer to what Simon said, is that I actually think the reason we don't think Ramsey played so well is because he was completely overshadowed by just how good John McGinn was. You can tell with McGinn, normally when sitting in the stands, within the first five minutes, whether he will have a good game or not. He just had when he plays well, he starts well and you he exerts that almost character on the pitch where you can go. Yeah, he's going to be on it today. You can, you can tell. And I think his performance was summed up when he received the ball. I think it was from Martinez about 20 yards just in front of our own goal. No panic whatsoever. Harry Kane, England captain, prolific goal scorer chasing him down. No worries at all. Turns on the ball. Kane falls flat on his face. You know, that just summed up his day, to be honest. And he, he went from strength to strength as the minutes went by and there is nothing I love to see more than John McGinn run on midfield. When he is on it, he is so enjoyable to watch as a footballer. You've mentioned it a few times. The way he runs around that pitch like a toddler who's lost his, their mum in the supermarket. Just absolute limbs everywhere. It, it it feels as though it shouldn't make sense, but it does. And there's there's honestly nothing I love more. Yeah, Ramsey, I thought Ramsey did play really well yesterday. He He had a few... Poor decision-making moments. But at the same time, we completely dominated the midfield. Spurs didn't really have an answer for us, especially in the first half, because they didn't even have a shot on target, I believe. So, yeah, when when McGinn plays like that, normally Villa do well. So long may it continue. I think it was probably because he had friends visiting from overseas. You know, get him in, get him a season ticket. I know it's probably... Very expensive, but McGinn will pay for it. He'll be able to afford the new price price hikes. But yeah, get them in for every game
2: because if he plays like that every game, it'd be in for a PFA Player of the Year. Show. It's it's funny you you mentioned about uh, so, sort of like how McGinn starts a game because about about three four minutes into the game, <clears throat> my brother like turned to me and went. McGinn is on one today, isn't he? Like, you, you could just see, and, and like, after the game, when I was uh, meeting up with, like, the mates in the pub, they said to each other as well, like, three, four minutes into the game, or McGinn's up for this, is me Like, I thought it was absolutely sensational yesterday, and I, I think I'll put it in the, uh, in the WhatsApp group, didn't I? If there's ever a perfect embodiment of the difference between the manager we had to the manager we've got, is John McGinn, because that, that game yesterday, he he just absolutely ran the show didn't he, from start to finish. She's, I I think what's really really impressed me with how much his game has come on over the last few months is even sort of under Smith when he was you know when he when he was playing really really well at that time you would always I would always say that he could be quite careless with his passing and his distribution at times. He's always had that all energy you know, gets about the pitch, wins the ball, turns people with that fabulous arse of his. But he was he would often be quite careless with it in possession. But he's not now, he's he's very measured with, with the passes that he makes. And even like he you don't see him constantly trying these sort of sixty, seventy yards, Hollywoods, diagonal crossfield passes. But when he does go for them, they, they come off now like he kind of he's he's not doing them all the time. he's, he's picking and choosing when to hit those those uh those those sort of Hollywood passes and I I just thought I I would agree I'd say that I mean mate, maybe maybe recently bias there, there may be games that, that have just completely gone out of my memory but in terms of I I can't think of a better John Begin performance I've seen better than that yesterday um I mean the Mitelli part of me thinks do you have to caveat it that he was up against Hoiberg and Oliver Skip I don't know <laughs> like as because let's be honest, how, how they play for, I suppose, the to top six team. I, I don't really quite understand, but we He was sensational. And the, the fact as well, he got that ludicrous yellow card, uh, you know, fairly early on for a non-challenge on St. Harry. And he could have been, you know, McGinn's that type of player who, you know, he goes in hard and like he's committed and like a, a lesser player, a lesser focused player. Um, Quite easily, have found themselves getting sent off yesterday, but but there was he didn't there was never any danger that he was going to go, you know, make that mistake and go in too hard. I just thought it was it was an unbelievable midfield performance. This man cost us two and a half
0: million pounds. Let's just put that into perspective. Best the money ever. I don't care what anybody with, says. With the money going <laughs> around nowadays, that it it's got to be up there for Villa, especially best <laughs> value for money signing that we've made in. Many, many, many years. And to think that I was sat there on the day that he signed because Villa Villa were very quiet about their transfer. And there were a lot of rumors going about and they announced him via YouTube video. I remember this and I remember the day and I remember just how upset I was that it wasn't <laughs> Joe Bryan walking out. And it was John McGinn instead, because it was between those two. Yes,
2: yes, I'm It was that between now, those yeah.
0: two players. And I remember sitting there, seeing this meatball face sit in <laughs> front of the camera and, and just wishing it was Joe Bryan. And just, it just shows how much I really know about football. So in future, don't take any of my opinions. As gospel
1: because clearly i have absolutely no idea what i'm talking about joe brian probably wishes it was joe Bryan at this point in time let's be honest <laughs> it's um it, it's crazy i think the, the the best memory that i can think of from yesterday during the game i think it was first half and mcginn kind of was facing martinez and of course fill his own goal i mean he was still way out but facing that way And he kind of diverted that way, kind of had a little bit of a challenge with one Spurs defender or oncoming midfielder, I think it was. And then the second one came in and he was starting to stumble. He fell over. And then, of course, the referee blew the whistle, but he was still back up, ready to go and drive forward. And that's, those are the midfielders in the moments. That's what you want. And I feel like a lot of the time when you look at Villa over, feels like forever, we've just been missing that. And I I was just looking to kind of, I always thought John McGinn for some reason in my mind that he's still 26. He'll be 29 next October. I wish we could keep him at 26 forever, to be honest. Cause the older he gets, the sadder it makes me realize that the inevitable will eventually happen. And we kind of have to cherish, um, players like this for as long as possible. But just, I don't know. I don't, I don't know if I could love a, a player anymore from off the pitch. Um, things that get put out there after the game he was waiting to sign photos for ages and was the last player there basically at the gate doing so which is just first of all he's the captain so of course that's expected but I mean even if he wasn't I, I would still say he'd probably still be out there but from one spectacular performance to one spectacular goal Simon I mean Dougie Louise I mean he, he, I, th- I don't know if that's his fifth or sixth goal this season. I can't remember the stat exactly, but he's already surpassed um, the amount of goals he's ever got for Villa in one season, but just what a hit, wasn't it?
2: It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up.
1: You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. Work.
2: Yeah, for, um, and uh, another midfielder who I thought had a brilliant game yesterday. yet again, I mean, <clears throat> Louise has, has just been—he's gone. He's, his game has gone to a completely different level this season. Um, I always, I, I like from day one, I was always a fan of Louise. Like, accepting that there were flaws to his game, but I—I I was never one of the fans that was writing him off. I could always see a really talented footballer there. I've got to be honest, I, I I didn't necessarily know how good he could get. Then, as one of my uh, mates yesterday was saying, Pep Guardiola doesn't sign a midfielder if he's not a good midfielder. And you know, he was at Man City's only because he couldn't get work permits. That day. he never sort of got the breakthrough there, really. Thank um, you, City. <laughs>
1: that's all I can say. Yeah,
2: <laughs> <laughs> but he um, no, I, I thought he was great yesterday. And that, that the free kick, it when when it was awarded. And I saw Ashley Young grab the ball. And this year I was like, yes, this is the moment we've all been waiting for. Young is finally going to bend right into the top corner. And obviously you see Duggan's lining up. But I, I, it was one of those that I I just, you know, sometimes when you, when you you see in the position that you've got a free kick in and you just, you know that he's going to go in. Like it's, I, I kind of, I, I it's, it's, it's one of those positions where the, the keeper is so far over to the one side of the goal you don't need to put any power on that free kick. You, I, you if you can just get it up and over and, and target in that general side of the goal, it's going to go in. And I, I don't know. I just as he was lining up before he hit it, I, I, I just I had a feeling. I just knew like this, this is going in the back of the net, loads. And I mean, I've, I've seen I've seen some people say that the keeper, if you, if you get a hand on it like that, then you should probably save it. I, I think it's just because. Force has had so much ground to make up. As I say, it's is one of those positions you get free kicks sometimes in games, where obviously you need to get the technique right. But it's it's not about power. It's not about pace. It's purely about the accuracy. And you know, Dougie can do no wrong at the moment. He can score. You've got somebody who can score from the corner flag. He should actually probably get more goals than he does. Really, that's. But I think that 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 could be. I I wouldn't be surprised if that. If that's an element that that gets added to his game next season, you know, if 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 say for example we do sign Gwendozi or midfield of that type, then you've got alongside Kamara, sort of two really defensive minded players. You know, maybe Dougie can do a job further forward and get get more goals. But I'm a you know, if he if you if can hit a few more free kicks like that, I'll be I'll be a very happy, man.
0: See, this channel shows the duality of man because I I was the exact opposite to Simon. I remember turning round to the person next to me and 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 going, It's too far out. If it was if it was five yards per, further forward, I'd be more confident. There's there's no way. There's no way here. This is going straight in the wall. This it's just too far out. And and he he went, Yeah, I think you're probably right. And then ten seconds later and we're we're on the floor covered in ribbon and beer and whatever. So, yeah, I mean, it It was a brilliant, brilliant free kick. I, I can see why people would argue that Foster should have done better. I think it was actually his positioning that let him down. I think Simon's right. He was too far over to that side. If, But then again, you have to focus on Villa's wall. Villa created a wall in front of Tottenham's defence that that meant that he had to be that far away. So it's... It's not down to their individual errors. It's the fact that we've obviously worked on this. You know, Austin McPhee, there's been talks about how much he puts into free kick training. And this is just one of the examples where he's got it spot on, in fairness. But it takes the technique. It takes the effort. And Dougie supplied that yesterday.
1: 100%. And the nicest thing kind of after that, even though, I mean... I, I don't really see the point in discussing if it was a penalty or not, because it, it, I think it's going to create a longer discussion that we really have time for. And to be honest, we won. It really didn't matter. Spurs really created nothing aside from being offside about 60 times. I don't think Son knows what onside is, to be honest. Um I do want to bring off kind of the, the whole delayed offside here in a moment, but the best thing for me and kind of what almost shows the most improvement under Unai Emery is the fact that, Okay, it's now 2-1. There's a few minutes left, and we're going to buckle under the pressure. I can think of that Liverpool game uh, the first season back in the Premier League where we we had it. Same thing against Spurs, I think, in that same season where uh Angles just, I don't know, lost control of his legs and basically put on through. Another game where we essentially had at least a point. Um This game, at times, near the end, of course, can get a little sticky, but I just felt like everyone just it out so easily and was so much confidence and knew their assignments and kind of kept to it and that for me is the nicest thing where i don't have to sit back and hold a pillow over my face because i'm too scared to look at the screen but simon what'd you make of it yeah well, just on,
2: on that point i mean it'd been been so easy and, and to be fair kind of understandable to just okay you've conceded that goal in the night if six minutes injury time let's just sit back and defend this like that's that. That, that's not necessarily a bad thing to do for certain teams against certain opposition. Like that's that a legitimate tactic that, that that can work. But what I agree with you. What what's really impressive is that last song goal where he goes through for offside for the umpteenth time and sticks it away in the back of the net. To to have the bravery and belief in what you've worked on and your defensive line to still. Played that high up the pitch in that late a game against a team that, OK, I'm, I'm not playing very well at the moment, but in Kane and Son, I've got two legitimately world-class footballers who can hurt you. To have that just total, the, the fact that everyone on that pitch had total belief in the system. And I think it's kind of, it reminds me a bit of when we lost to Arsenal, actually, uh, back in February. And after the game, a lot of people were kind of you know, coming away going, you know, disappointed. But you know, we 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 sort of we pushed them right to the edge. But Emery was like really, really angry after that game because for the last twenty minutes, half an hour, the players didn't stick to the system, did they? They they kind of went back to sitting more deeply and just sort of trying to play the counter attack and hitting it long. So. Even the, the, the sort of progress from there to, to now where it doesn't matter what the situation is, we're going to see it we'll still keep playing the way we're playing because we know we've seen now how it can work. And that, that that's not an easy thing to do because it, it's human nature can make you do silly things and like panic and think, Oh Jesus, let's not throw this away. Let's sit back. But yeah, I, I agree with you. I, I think it's a brilliant thing to see that that they're sticking to, to what their managers is telling them to do.
1: Well, especially when the referee is trying to give them about 30 hours of extra added time. I, I mean, I, I can't remember, to be honest, who the, the referee was at this point in time. We don't really have to mention a name, but I, I don't know if I've ever seen a referee try to give another team a little bit more advantage at the end to make things interesting. Um, so if you're ever going to say there was an agenda yesterday, maybe it was a good example, but let's talk about this. The laid-off side thing here for just a moment because I I understand the purpose of it to an extent, but when you know that son is off literally by at least ten feet, like really, what is the point? Yeah, I don't know. One of you guys can take it away. I didn't really assign it to you. So Sam, see, ahead.
0: <laughs> this this is a topic that will have me pulling my hair out to the point where eventually I'll end up looking like Simon. It was just. I it, I just do not understand it. I get that they're trying to. So if they're trying to take away the mistake element, so if the linesman gets it wrong, they go through, they score, then it can be checked. I understand that, but they're putting players' safety at jeopardy. They're putting it. It just doesn't work, and they need to find another way around it if they're going to persist with it because. There will be challenges where players get hurt and it was offside and it was completely meaningless and didn't need to happen and could quite easily be avoided. How how they go about fixing that issue is, quite frankly, above my pay grade. I don't have the answers to that. So, so all I know is that it's wrong and something has to change. But unfortunately, I don't know what that change
2: is. I thought that the sort of directive that they were given was that it's only for like, the sort of really tight calls that that they they would leave the flag down and let it play on. But I, I'm sure that I, I'm sure I've seen or, or heard somewhere that you know for the obvious ones, you know, put the flag up and as you say, son, I'd I'd say every single one, probably barring that last one actually to be fair, he was about at least two yards offside on the majority of them. And the point you make there, Seb. Is a really good one. So, the one in the first half, a song goes through and it hits the post and it falls back to Harry Kane. And then Kane gets a shot away, I think, before the flag goes up. When that ball falls back to Kane, who's to say a defender doesn't come flying in with the last hit challenge and like gets it wrong and breaks Kane's ankle, for example? Like, that might sound like an extreme, but it's not like that. That could be very easily challenge someone could think, Jesus, we're about to concede a goal. I need to do something to try and stop this. And you fly in and then what? The player gets an injury. You've made like a red card challenge, but it doesn't count because he's offside. Like it, it is cheaping. So someone at some stage is going to get a, a real proper injury f- from from this happening. And yeah, I, I mean, I I, I don't I don't quite know what the answer is.
0: It's already oh, happened. Gosh. It happened to Ben Godfrey. He broke. I think he broke his ankle, or he broke his leg, or he 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 had a really bad injury that he still hasn't fully recovered from from an eventuality, that it was offside. So it's not like the PGMOL can go, well, we had no warning that this might happen, because it has happened,
2: and they've yeah, still I taken
0: did, no action.
2: I, in fact, I think, I'm, I'm pretty sure the first year it was brought in, I'm sure, like, a Wolves goalkeeper got, like, a, a head injury as a, from it, um, from an offside that they allowed to play through, and the striker came and, like, Collided with him like his knee caught the keeper in the head, and he had to go off. And he was out for a couple of games. So, yeah, you're right. It, it has happened. Before, like there has been injuries, and they've still done nothing. And I mean, did, did, I mean, <laughs> we could go on all night about this state of officiating. I mean, you mentioned the penalty, but we don't need to necessarily go into it in massive detail. But it's not a penalty. <laughs> and, and I disagree. And how? How if, if that is a penalty, then? The challenge on Ollie Watkins in the penalty box in the first half. How is that not given? I, oh. I think it is
0: a penalty. I think he got it right. Kane, Kane, I, it,
2: right? okay Kane, Kane, jump, Kane jumps into Martinez. Kane jumps Ma, into Martinez. But minus. Martinez
0: goes to ground and he makes the. Ta- if a defender slides in, there's mm. nothing put. There's nothing wrong as an attacker as taking the contact. I, 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 I can see why people don't think it's a penalty, but. Martinez there, for me, as mm. he can see that Kane's running the ball out of play. He's at such a narrow angle. As soon as you go to ground, you give the the attacker a choice to make. Take the contact or jump over him. And as a football player, you're not going to think, I'm going to jump over him to avoid all contact and have no chance of winning a penalty whatsoever. You're going to take the contact, even if it's minimal, even if he's going to ground slightly before... Yes, but the rules are there in place to almost give the attacker an advantage. Do I think it's right? No. Do I think that the Ollie Watkins penalty a few years ago should have been given at White Hart Lane? Yes, because it was exactly the same. But I, I ultimately do think it's a penalty. It's 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 silly from Martinez, and it's a shame because it's a it's good job it didn't come back to haunt us because I thought he had a fantastic game. How he kept yeah. out Kane's first effort yeah. one-on-one was just un you would have put your house on Kane to score someone next to me was saying nine times out of ten Kane scores that and I go well no ten times that. it is a complete almost lack of judgment and it is a really good save but Kane is not running towards he's running away from the goal if you stand up there the the angle is so narrow and so tight that the eventuality of it Coming down to a goal is almost naught, in my opinion. So, as soon as he goes to ground, it's probably momentum. He then can't get out of the way. He's yeah.
2: made that decision and Kane's taken it. So, I, I, I do think I, I would agree that Martinez probably shouldn't be going to ground in that instance. My issue is I, I agree that a uh, striker you take the contact, absolutely, but there's a difference between taking the contact. And jumping into the contact, which is what Kane does. Martin, Ka, Martin uh, Kane drops, collapses to the ground, and catches. Make sure he catches Martinez with his knee. Rather, I, I, I don't think that that's not Martinez. That's that's not Kane taking the contact and being taken out by Martinez. That is Kane. Oh, he's it's diving. It's it's what Jack Greenish used to do for us. Like, let's be honest. He's good. He used to do yeah. it for us. He did it for Man City against us this season, and Kane's done the same. It's I, I, contact does not automatically equal foul. No, contact no, does I not agree. automatically equal foul. And there, there's there's if you, I think personally, I, I think if you're there's a difference between dangling a leg to make sure you get taken out by challenge. And actually jumping into the challenge and initiating the contacts—that's that's where I think there is a distinction. I'd be if I'm being totally honest and hypocritical if that's at the other end, I'm screaming for a penalty, <laughs> you know, because that's just the nature of football fans. But I I think I put it this way: if that is anyone other than Harry Kane, that is not getting overturned because if the ref initially if the ref gives that as a, mis- a penalty as an in initial decision. Then I think you can make an argument that it's maybe not enough to overturn it. However, the fact he's given the corner, and they've spent a good three or four minutes looking at it, and then realise, oh, it was Harry Kane. Oh, of course, it's a penalty. That's it. There's no no one else who's getting that penalty other than Harry Kane. Alan Shearer back in the day used to get the same privileges as being England captain, and Harry Kane he does get them. Like there's no two ways about it.
1: But, yeah, I love this passion. I, I, I love this. this is, <laughs> no, it's a really good debate. But the thing we can all agree on, hopefully, is that hopefully Jack Grealish dives against Brighton in the coming weeks, which makes them not win and hopefully gets us into a a, a European competition next season. So, um, Jack, if you're listening to this and not slapping my microphone like I just did, um, help us out a little bit. But uh, regardless of that... Let's go over to our three word reviews via Twitter. Of course, tweet the team at 7500 match, and you can get involved. It's always a, a good read. Um, some of them are a little bit more um, explicit than others this week, so I'll try to be as appropriate as I can. Um, a few people don't like Harry Kane, to say the least, to keep that into the conversation, but uh, yeah. Let's go through these and uh, give uh, Simon and Seb a little bit of a heads up of what I'm expecting from them here in the coming moments. So let's start with a patch that says, Kane dives again. Um, Skylar says, massive, de- massive deserved win. Um, UTV.football, Europe now beckons. Wayne M82 says, need more goals. Um, Alistair win despite officiating. Uh, Rach 25, Super Unai Emery. Um, Neil Bryan, Sky's the Limit. Uh, Raj says back on track. Uh, Nigel says just the best. Um, South London villains sen- and says Kane's a cheat. <laughs> um, let's go to Nigel WV officiating totally corrupt. And let's do two more here. Uh, Joe Martini, Unai's European Dream. Or he put dreamer but i'm gonna short, short that to dream because it makes more sense <laughs> so sorry to joe <laughs> um and let's finish with uh john hanley in a very appropriate way ramsey louise bosch simon could i have your three word review please oh, two big games Okay, yeah, that is three. I had to count that in my head for a second because I'm not paying attention. Um, let's go to Seb next. Sorry, that's the worst transition of history. I mean, let's that's it's, it's
2: not really a <laughs> of the game. It's just more, it's more of the uh, of, of, of viewpoints of, of where we're at at the moment. Um, fair whole tender rises
0: because I do want to mention just how good the atmosphere was yesterday.
2: Yeah, no, to be fair, no, I'm, I'm glad that, that you did bring that up because it, it's... Earlier on in the season, it was something that I think a lot of fans were critical of that there wasn't much of an atmosphere. Now, you could argue that there was an awful lot happening on the pitch to get the crowd going as well. But the, uh, yes, like Newcastle the other week and yesterday, it's to to have, uh, I mean, we've had the full Villa Park pretty much every week since we've been back up in the Premier League, but to have it full and rocking the way it has been for the last few games. I mean if 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 going into that Brighton game the last game of the season is if we're going into that needing to win to to get European football you know I'm, I'm absolutely sure that the crowds will 100% be up for it so now you you are the the atmosphere I, I thought was really really good so yeah fair play
1: absolutely I will go with Unai's European Express um I don't know nice. but we need a way to get to all these European games and uh fingers crossed if it does happen, I would like to finally join one of you gentlemen if you'll have me hopefully um if that does happen we'll have to wait and see if the missus actually lets me um but uh yeah. yeah let's go with that and fingers crossed it does happen and uh we'll all be happy but one thing i did want to quickly kind of uh discuss slash predict because i'm not sure if we'll have enough time this week to get a liverpool preview out before the weekend's game we'll have to wait and see what we can um kind of uh scrape together but uh Simon, are you feeling confident ahead of that one? And uh, could I get a score prediction as well to feel a little bold and brave? Oh, I mean, I'm never confident
2: going to Anfield, especially the form they're in at the moment. Oh, I, I don't want to predict for lose, but I think we probably will. But I'm going to I'm gonna go, I'm probably let my heart rule my head a little bit here. I'm going to say 1-1 and say that we, that we nick a point out of it. And, and I'd gladly take a point there as well.
1: Fair enough. Seb, how about you? Yeah,
2: I'd bite your hand
0: off for a point. I'm not as optimistic, unfortunately. I will say 2, maybe even 3 nil, and just have the hope that it will go down to the final day
1: with the chance of getting something out of it. Okay, I'm going to be absolutely ridiculous and I'm going to say we're going to win 2-1. Why <laughs> the hell not? You know what? Life's too short. I'm being stupidly optimistic, and it probably won't happen. When's the last time we won at Anfield? Was it the one the where Benteke? Team. Yeah, that was when Benteke. The bright green and Gabby kit. Yeah, did Gabby score on that one too, or is it just Benteke? I can't remember. I, I remember. think
2: no, we we actually won a, a couple of years after that as well. We won uh, one nil. Gabby scored again. Yeah, one 0 win quite early yes. on, and okay. when uh, when Roy, the year Roy Keane was assistant. Was that wow. in the
0: bright green kit or was that in the... Um, no, that, that's... A,
2: yeah, that was like two years after the bright
1: green kit. God, oh. I think that was the last time we won there, yeah. That feels like ages ago. I mean, it kind of was in a way, but uh, <laughs> how how far... A we lot's uh, happened no, since.
2: Emery, you know, he's been, been breaking all sorts of records so far this season. So you never know. I, I just, I'm, I'm assuming we're all agreeing John McGinn has won the match yesterday. You know, oh yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, there's that's
1: why it's not even a segment <laughs> this week. There's no point in making it unanimous. We literally talked <laughs> about John McGinn for like 10 to 15 minutes. It feels like, folks. So if that wasn't obvious enough, he gets the unanimous decision without even really discussing it. But. Uh, yeah, um let's let's hope for the best against Liverpool, at least. Hopefully we can get something out prior to that. But if not, there's a little bit of a really uh, short bit of Liverpool chatter. We're feeling a little bit optimistic. Maybe it uh, leads to nothing. But nonetheless, there's two games left. We all have to wait and see what happens. And hopefully things go Villa's way. Hopefully we get to 60 points. Hopefully Unai Emery um, achieves our European dream. Because to be honest, I just have a feeling if we get into Europe... It's gonna be seriously fun. Neon Bailey, knowing Leon Bailey, will probably be the top goal scorer and have like fifteen goals or twenty goals, just because wouldn't that make sense to be absolutely stunning in European competition and uh be absolutely frustrating in the Premier League? But uh all in all, hopefully we have a enjoyable couple weeks coming up, but we'll leave it there, folks. Thank you very much to Simon and to Seb for joining me. If you want to find Simon on Twitter, it's at Si O'Regan. You can, of course, of course, sorry, tweet Seb at Sebastian Bacon 8. You can find me on Twitter at Talk Aston Villa. Tweet the team at 7500 Holt. Of course, email the podcast, holtcast at gmail.com and check out the website triple w to i'm really really struggling with this outro and forgetting twitter handles and stuff but nonetheless hopefully that was smooth enough for everybody like i said hopefully we'll be back prior to liverpool But if not you'll hear us hopefully brain early the monday after hopefully everyone has a good week and yeah we'll leave it there and don't forget up the villa
2: We're going up-